Well, what's up, Everlast? How are we doing tonight? We're doing good, amen? Yeah. Hey, can we just give God a clap offering right now? Yes. Come on, give it up. Yes, Lord. We give you praise, God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you're new to Everlast, uh, my name's Kev. I'm the young adult pastor here. Let me just say we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we, we hope and pray that you feel loved and welcomed as y'all, it, it's our mission here at Everlast to encounter Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to make Jesus known. Um, if this is your first time though, please uh, go into the Life Center uh, and one of our Everlast, awesome uh, Everlast volunteers will get you a gift. We just have a gift to say thank you for coming. Uh, so please be sure to do that. Uh, tonight we continue our series in the Core 4 2.0. And we are truly stoked for what the Lord has in store. Uh, before we start on the, this next core issue tonight, uh, let me just begin with some very important information. Cool? Everlast, listen, sin, we're going to hop right in. Sin is deceitful. Sin enables and encourages us to choose wrong rather than right. Amen? Sin makes us want um, short-term pleasure over long-term gain. Sin is ultimately idolatry. What, well, here's the thing. Idolatry comes in many, many, many different forms. Um, so check this out. Let, let's just say, what, what is an idol? Tina mentioned this last week to reiterate. My wife taught last week and, and just such a, did a phenomenal job, but she defined an idol as this. An idol can be described as anything we put before God. I think that's important for all of us to know tonight. An idol can be described as anything we put before God. Where does idolatry begin? Well, idolatry, y'all, starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. Craving, um, wanting, um, enjoying being satisfied by anything that you treasure more than God. Y'all, God cares deeply about this. He actually made it a part of his commands. Exodus 23 uh, through 5 says this. Check it out. I think it's on the screen for you. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Verse 5 says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. My wife, like I said, uh, he, she's, by the way, our young adult coordinator. Does such an awesome job. Tina, Tina talked last week on how idols have two categories. Do you all remember this from last week? Two categories. We have surface idols and we have source idols. Surface idols and source idols. Out of, out of the two idol categories, Everlast, y'all, surface idols are easier to spot because they are, right, they're closer to the surface. Thus, thus y'all, listen, many people recognize these idols as the cause of many of the problems that they have in their relationships with both God and people. But y'all, surface idols are absolutely not the cause. They are the effect of the cause. We labeled these idols last week as, um, as branch sins because they're less observable than root sins. Remember, like, just like a tree, you can see the branches quicker than you can see the roots. Amen? We can agree with that. Cool. Let me I just want to remind you 
of a handful of examples of, of what these surface idols include. Okay, listen. Image idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I have a particular kind of look or body image. Work idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I am highly productive and in, in, in getting a lot done. Achievement idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I am being recognized for my accomplishments, if I am excelling in my career. Racial or culture, cultural idolatry. Racial and cultural idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if my race and culture is ascendant and recognized as superior. Individual person idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if this one person in my life is in my life and happy there and happy with me. Relationship idolatry. Life only has, uh, life only has meaning. I, I only have worth if Mr. or Mrs. Wright is in love with me. Materialism idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I have a certain level of, of wealth, um, financial freedom, and, and very nice possessions. Y'all, these are surface idols. Surface. But y'all, they're not the problem. They're not the problem, though. To reiterate, surface idols are not the cause. They're the effect of the cause. Surface idols are always connected to something deeper. They're connected always to the cause in our hearts. Now, whereas surface idols ever last are more readily understood and even more recognizable to, to many people, source idols by nature are more um, subversive and much harder to initially recognize. This is what we call the core four. The source idols, a.k.a. the core four, include control, comfort, approval, pride. These, y'all, listen, these are, the, these are the idols that drive all other idolatries in our lives. These four. God, y'all, God did such an awesome work last week of helping bring, uh, my wife spoke on, uh, on uh, control. God really helped um, bring control to the surface. Like I said, my wife did a phenomenal job. If, uh, job. if you haven't listened to the podcast, you can go listen to it. If you haven't catched it, it's so good. But listen, she talked about like why, why our hearts are prone to try and gain control rather than surrender to God who is ultimately already in absolute control. I just highly encourage you to go check it out. So no, check it out. We're going to continue to ask God to bring these Four core idols to the surface. Amen? Can, I, can we get an amen on that? Amen? Cool. Tonight we continue the core four series with talking about the core idol of comfort. So check it out. Please grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Here we go. 
Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here's the final verse. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Everlast, let's pray real quick. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you so much for who you are. You are truly awesome and worthy of all praise. Oh God, there's none beside you. Thank you for your mercy and your compassion towards us. I pray, God, that as we continue in worship through your word, that that you would help us to listen well tonight to what you have to say. Help us, God, to be attentive and, and receptive to you. God, help us to surrender all of our thoughts and all of our affections to you. And Everlast, I'm just going to give you a moment. Right now where you're at, would you just pray this? Say, God, would you, would you speak to me tonight? Pray that for your own heart. And now pray for those on your left and right. Pray that God would speak to them. Quick prayer. God, would you speak to them? And now I would just kindly ask that you'd please pray for me, that God would use me tonight to make things um, clear and helpful for you. Well, God, we love you. Please speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in many parts of the world today, especially, I would say, in America, it is very easy to live a comfortable life as a Christian. Certainly, where we live in Colorado Springs, this is the case. But, but is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? We're going to be asking a lot of questions tonight. Hopefully answering a lot of questions tonight. I would like to suggest that the Christian faith is inherently uncomfortable and not comfortable. To be a disciple of Jesus is to deny oneself. That's Matthew 16, 24. To take up a cross, Luke 14, 27. To be subject to persecution, John 15, 20. 2 Timothy 3, 2 as well, says 3, 12 says that. To give up creature comforts of home. That's Luke 9, 58. To forsake the priority of family. Luke 9, 59. To be willing to give up all material possessions. Matthew 19, 21. To be crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. C.S. Lewis once said, 
I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. (laughs) If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Everlast, tonight we're going to be talking about some stuff that may be hard to hear, but I think it's what we need to hear. Myself included. All of us tonight. When I met my awesome wife, she's awesome. Let me just say this. The single life wasn't too good to me. Why? Well, let me just, can I just be real with you tonight real quick? Can I be real? Your boy Kev here weighed 255 pounds. You see, I lived in a house. I lived in a house, house with, uh, with six other, other friends of mine. We all went to the same church. I lived in a house with six dudes. And, and midnight McDonald's runs were frequent, both to get the food and after the food, if you know what I mean. TMI. There was one week where my roommate, listen, one week where my roommate, he literally ordered Domino's pizza, not two nights in a row, not three nights in a row, not even four nights in a row, seven nights in a row, my roommate ordered Domino's. I remember one time, no joke, I got McDonald's like at 11, he ordered Domino's like at 11.30, and I just ate both. (laughs) <laughs> um, now, like, to order pizza seven nights in a row, like, listen, like, listen, Kevy, I love, Kevy loves pizza. It's my favorite, it's my favorite food. It's my favorite food, period. You get everything. Dairy, bread, vegetables, meat, you know, it's, it's just the ultimate. But, uh, but y'all, seven nights in a row, what <laughs> definitely tests my love for pizza. All that to say, it's safe to say, y'all, I was living a very, comfortable life as a single dude. I did things how I wanted, when I wanted, and how much I wanted. There was a lot of things that paid the price. My maturity, honestly, the main thing paying the price, but another thing paid the price, and yes, that was the scale. You know, you know 255 pounds, but y'all, then came Tina. Fellas, you want to know how to lose weight fast? Meet yourself a beautiful girl. Six months after pursuing Tina, six months, there was a dude that taught, a guy named Valentine that discipled me and where I was at. He was like, dude, you need to, he's like, grow up with where you're at. You need to know if you're going to marry this girl in six months. Quit dilly-dallying. I was like, yes, sir. You know, like, you know, like, and, and, and six months after pursuing I asked her to marry me. And all of a sudden, the scale didn't say 255, it said 195. Yeah. Listen. Tonight's message is not, um, let me just say this, is not a, like a weight loss message or anything like that. But just trust me, we got married and I gained a lot of it right back uh, thanks to pizza. <laughs> Tina likes pizza too, it's great. But listen, I tell you that part of my story because Everlast, um, as I look back on that part of my life, I see that it wasn't about food. God, God has helped me see deeper than the surface. There was an overall laziness and slothfulness that the core idol of comfort was wreaking havoc on my life. The Christian life is all about comfort. 
The world and the devil wants you to believe that lie. Comfort, or rather, I, th- I like to kind of define it this way, comfort, the worldly pursuit of ease has become, I would say, the enemy's battle cry, or better yet, whisper, in the war for our souls. Why, why do I say whisper, you ask? Well, in our westernized culture, Everlast, the, I believe the devil's strategy is subtle enticement for and towards comfort. We Christians in America are really good at finding comfort in pretty much anything. We find comfort in how many Instagram followers we have. How many views towards our IG stories or TikTok videos or or, or how many likes or comments a picture gets. All that stuff to finding comfort in a fully stocked pantry. Think about it. The newest iPhone or the right amount of money in your savings account. Some of us find comfort in always having to be in a relationship. Shoot, some of us aren't currently in a relationship, but, but we'll find comfort in the dream you've dreamt up about having a future relationship. Some of you will stay in a relationship because of comfort, and some of you will get out of a relationship because of comfort. And y'all, the list of where we find comfort can go on and on and on and on. Comfort makes you all about you. Unfortunately, a lot of our decision making is stemmed from comfort. The devil uses comfort everlast to entice you into thinking to having a stress-free Burger King have it your way kind of life is what you need to aim for and what will seemingly Bring you contentment and satisfaction. Our enemy uses comfort to dangle the false carrot of contentment in front of your face. But here's the thing. The devil is a liar. John 8.44 says this. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil wants you to believe that this life is all about you. But everlasting, your life is most definitely not about you. You were created for, you were created rather in God's image for God's glory. You weren't created for comfort everlast. He created us to die to ourselves in our comforts to live unto him. It's crazy like we know that, right? A lot of us may know that, but maybe aren't exemplifying that. Back to our first passage tonight in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said, if anyone Um, would come after me, let him deny himself. The word deny is actually, uh, the Greek word is aparaneomai, which means to disown or to renounce. So used within the context of 
imagery of taking up your cross and following Jesus, denying oneself conveys the sense of a person disassociating himself from his self-interest or self-comfort to serve a higher purpose. So comfort, y'all, is literally the opposite thing that Jesus is after. Completely opposite of what he's after. Y'all, he's after your faith. Jesus is after your faith. There are massive differences between the two, between comfort and faith. So you give a few examples. Comfort is self-focused. Faith is Jesus-focused. Comfort um, breeds temporary happiness. Faith breeds eternal joy. Comfort makes you lazy. Faith makes you zealous. Comfort puts your plans first. Faith puts Jesus' plans first. Comfort immobilizes. Faith mobilizes. Comfort delays you. Faith propels you. Comfort, y'all, is costly and can literally ruin your life. I need y'all to hear that tonight. Come on. This is huge. What's crazy is that due to the subtlety of the core, Idol of comfort, the subtlety thing, your faith in Christ can be literally drowning and you not even know it because you're sipping, on, sipping back on the lie of comfort. There are comforts in your life right now, Everlast, that you think you have a grip on when in fact they have a grip on you. More on this later. I'm going to talk on that later, a little bit later. But here's a statement I want y'all to know tonight and just moving forward. It's going to be on the screen. Can y'all just, can y'all just know this? Listen. Comfort seems faith, but it will sabotage your faith. Comfort seems safe, but it will sabotage your faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. So if we're called to walk by faith and not by sight, I, I would say that we're also called to walk by faith and not by comfort. Let me ask you a question. Is your comfort keeping you from walking with Jesus right now? Is your comfort keeping you from walking with Jesus? Are there comforts going on right now that you don't even know about? I love praying that. A dear brother of mine prayed that one time. He was like, God, if there's something going on in my heart that I don't even know about, would you just uproot it? Get rid of it. Replace it with your grace. Is your comfort keeping you from walking with Jesus? Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so what? Walk in him. Rooted and being, I'm sorry, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, everlast, is comfort an overall bad thing? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The word of God, y'all, is dripping. It's dripping um, with scriptures of comfort. I'm going to uh, 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 read off a few. It's on the screen. Check it out. Isaiah 41. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Matthew 5, 4 says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to the God. And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of what? All comfort, who 
comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Psalm 71, uh, verse 21, you will increase my greatness and comfort me again. Lastly, Isaiah 49, 13, sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. All of these scriptures talk about comfort, right? Amen. But, but, the comfort mentioned in these scriptures and throughout the word of God aren't derived everlasting from, from a place of ease. Mm-mm. Rather, they're actually derived from a place of hardship and trial. Comfort, y'all, has a very specific function, and I believe that we have a propensity to get it way out of whack. Check this out. It's on the screen. The comfort of Christ comes into our lives not to promise ease, but to promise grace. The comfort of Christ comes into our lives not to promise ease, but to promise grace. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God is able to make all what? Grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work hallelujah what the devil wants though is for us to run for comfort to places outside of the grace of jesus he wants us to be a hamster on a wheel to get us to think we're going somewhere when in fact we're just stuck in the very same spot I mentioned this a few moments ago, but y'all, I believe that there's comforts in your life right now that you think you have a grip on, but when in fact they have a grip on you. The devil wants comfort to have a tight grip on us without us even knowing it does. Have y'all ever played pin the tail on the donkey? Once or twice, amen. When I was six years old, I had a Ninja Turtle party. <laughs> Cowabunga, dude. And we played pin the pizza on the turtle. There were many reasons why I love the Ninja Turtles. And the fact that they love pizza too just made them that much more awesome. Anyways, like we were blindfolded and, and played pin the pizza on the turtle. Y'all listen to this. Comfort is the tight blindfold around your heart. It spins you around, leading your heart to places other than what the target is. That target being Jesus. The devil wants you to run to anything other than Jesus for comfort. Again, to have a grip on you instead of you have a grip on it. To reiterate, is comfort bad? No, y'all, God created everything. It is awesome to enjoy his creation. The danger is when comfort turns into an idol. Comfort will become an idol when we try to get it from the wrong place. Here's some things that I believe, y'all. Here's some things, three things that I believe have too much of a grip on us. Too much. Food, friends, fun. I'm just going to ask kindly that you just focus in, you know. Bear with me. Listen close. Things that I believe have too much grip on us. Food, friends, and fun. Let's start with the first one. Food. I alluded to this at the beginning tonight, but, you know, 
or just we kind of talked about it, but let's just talk about it a little bit more. I, I, I mean, think about it. We literally have what we call comfort foods. In all seriousness, when was the last time you heard gluttony talked about? Y'all, I saw this documentary-style TV show recently called My 600-Pound Life, and honestly, man, my heart just broke watching it. I saw men and women just trapped and imprisoned by the lie that food was telling on behalf of the core idol of comfort. Think about it. I believe we live in a day and age that to eat and to have more than your fill is honestly what we constantly do. To bring my favorite food back into the picture... <laughs> Is it wrong to have an extra slice of pizza? Y'all listen, no, absolutely not. But Everlast, y'all, it is vitally important that we ask ourselves good questions like, why, why am I going back for seconds right now? As meticulous as it sounds, it's so important that we know the whys of, of what we do. Is there an itch on your heart or on my heart that I'm trying to scratch or rather satisfy with food? Meaning, is food something I'm trying to replace the struggle of stress, being overwhelmed, depression, sadness, comparison, or whatever with? And listen, you don't have to be crazy overweight to, for this to apply to you. No, this is a heart issue, not a weight issue. This is a heart issue. End of the day, God made us to eat. Amen. Yeah, he made us to eat. It is literally what fuels us to keep us going, working and living for his glory. And think about it. God made taste buds. He didn't have to, but he did. Right? Like, eating and drinking is also meant to be enjoyed. Amen. We worship a very, y'all, a very cool and creatively awesome God. But, y'all, listen. Gosh, listen to this. Food is false. Food is false. When I say that, I'm saying that the core idol of comfort is falsely advertising food to give you a feeling and sense of true contentment and wholeness when Jesus is the only one who can truly satisfy you. Friends. Second thing, friends. Some of us have comfort friends. Some of us have people in our lives that are good to us but not good for us. Something else I believe we're prone to do is that when the crud hits the fan, when struggles arise, we are, when we're faced with a hardship, we can very easily, Everlast, run to our friends for comfort first rather than first run to God. Again, like I mentioned about food, is going to friends a bad thing? No way. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Check this out. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. God gave us each other to encourage each other, but for us to ultimately point each other back to him, not back to each other. Simply put, y'all listen, a human, no matter who it is, your wife, your husband, your dad, your mom, your friend, whatever, a human, can only get you so far, then comes God. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom, all, uh, from whom are all things and, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. This leads us to our last word that I believe y'all has too much of a grip on us, fun. Fun, or rather entertainment, 
is one of the most sly and gripping lies that the core idol of a comfort tells among them all, I believe. I love what Francis Chan has to say about entertainment. He says, we are quick to rationalize our entertainment and priorities, yet are slow to commit to serving God. Some of us find comfort constantly on our phones or on social media. Yeah, I'm going to go there for a sec, cool? Think about it. Think about how habitual it is or can be. I mean, really, wherever you're at, you sit down in the waiting room at the doctor's office. You're in line at the grocery store in the checkout line. Or, or, or just you're just simply on the couch sitting at home. Wherever you're at, you spend minute after minute, hour after hour, scrolling and scrolling through an endless sea of temporal pleasure and entertainment. The average attention span for the notoriously ill-focused goldfish is nine seconds. But did you know that um, according to a new study from Microsoft Corp, people now generally lose concentration, humans, after eight seconds. This highlights the effects of an increasingly digitalized lifestyle on our brains. Researchers in Canada surveyed uh, 2,000 participants and studied the brain activity of 112 others using electroencephalograms, EEGs. Microsoft found that since the year 2000, or about when the, you know, the mobile phone and soon smartphone revolution began, that the average attention span dropped from 12 seconds to now 8 seconds. Microsoft theorized that the changes were a result of the brain's ability to adapt and change itself over time, and a weaker attention span may be the side effect of an evolving mobile internet. The same survey, check this out, also confirmed generational differences for mobile use. For example, 70, uh, 77% of people aged ages 18 to 24 responded yes when asked. When nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. Compared to only 10% of those over uh, the age of 65. What this tells me, everlasting, is that the core idol of comfort is constantly waging war to gain more and more territory in our hearts. Can I just say this? Social media is honestly a death trap of comfort in many different ways. Not just scrolling and scrolling, uh, inundating yourself with, with just random things, deteriorating our attention span, wasting time, causing us to be slothful and lazy. But let me, just ask, let me just ask this question. Let me just ask this question. When you post a selfie or something about yourself, is this because your heart behind the scenes is actually trying to find comfort? And what people think about how you look or sound? Listen, finding comfort in posting pictures and videos or stories trying to portray you as a better you 
or even finding comfort by looking at someone else's life in posts, comparing and fantasizing your life with, with someone else's seemingly stress-free, non-blemished life. Y'all, these are lies straight from the pit of hell and are not where true comfort is found. God has fearfully and wonderfully made you. Your comfort should simply be found in that truth. Not in what you post or what people think about you and, and, and your posts or looking at someone else's posts and comparing your life to their life. Let me encourage you to ask yourself a question before you grab your phone out of your pocket for any reason, let alone social media or whatever for the umpteenth time in a day. Let me just encourage you with this. And join me in this. I'm right here with you. Is ask yourself this question, is what I'm about to do, look at, or scroll through, or post, going to bring me glory, or bring God the most glory? Is what I'm about to do on social media, feed the idol, or starve the idol of comfort? Everlast, whether it's movies, shows, TV shows, phones, time on social media or whatever y'all fun is just yet another leech that sucks the life out of us and feeds the core idol of comfort here's another question listen is food friends and fun and the like <laughs> something that you find yourself running to before God the absolute truth is they promise life but they are only a cheap temporary false fix they don't truly satisfy there are things, y'all, there are things you are using to fill up your time with, fill up a certain struggle with, numb you from pain with. There's things right now that you're, you're trying to numb yourself from pain with. And overall, look away from God with. So let me just say this. Here's what I'm not preaching tonight, Everlast. I'm not preaching legalism. Mm -mm, no. Mm -mm. We're not talking about a list of to-dos to or to-don'ts that you need to make sure to do or else. No. We're simply talking through, asking just good questions to get down to the root, the core. Asking God to help us better recognize what's going on. And to remove them from our hearts with the goal of replacing them with the life-giving, life-changing, and life-satisfying grace of Jesus. Here's the goal. Starve the idol and feed your heart with the grace of Jesus. That's the goal. Here's what's awesome about God everlasting. Listen, he, gosh, he loves you so much. He cares for you. He truly cares for you. The God of the universe will do anything to get your attention off of yourself and back onto him. Hebrews 12, 6 says, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Amen. I like to say it this way. God will disrupt your comfort to confront your comfort, to exchange your comfort with his. God will disrupt your comfort to confront your comfort, to exchange your comfort with his. Again, like we talked about earlier, we have to, y'all, we have to disassociate from ease. 
As long as we associate Jesus with ease, we will miss him. Because Jesus is primarily out for your eternal holiness, not our temporal happiness. What I love about Jesus is that he will lovingly confront you. I am a byproduct of Jesus confronting me. Not to condemn. There's a big difference, though. There's a big difference there. Condemnation, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Confrontation, confrontation has the intent and the means to change you. Condemnation does not. God so loved the world that he gave his son not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The spirit of Christ is not to condemn, but the spirit of Christ will confront. You know, working uh, in a church wasn't something that I always planned to do. Um, some of you, if not most of you, know that uh, right out of high school, I went to EMT school and then I uh, graduated there, emergency medical technician school, and got certified. Then I went to paramedic school and was on track to go to fire academy uh, to become a firefighter. What's crazy is that, by God's grace, y'all, I was actually good at it. I was like, I was making grades, good grades for like the first time in my life. Um, yeah, I, I loved being able to help people in their moments of trauma and desperation. Um, I, I was also making. Yeah, just good, good friends in the class and, and good relationships and all that kind of good stuff in the academy. Um, I, was, I was, honestly, I was incredibly comfortable. I really was. I was incredibly comfortable. I had it all planned out, my plans. I knew I was going to apply for these specific fire departments and, and I would make these specific salaries and, and, and have these specific benefits all within these specific geographic locations of where I wanted to be located at. Now listen, let me ask the question, is, is wanting these things bad? No. But y'all, I was so laser pointed, just focused on what I wanted in the ease of my plans when I was totally oblivious to my faith being replaced or rather occupied by comfort. God wasn't out for me to be comfortable. <laughs> he was out for my faith and wanted me to ultimately trust and rest and find true comfort in his will, not my own. He disrupted my comfort to confront my comfort, to replace my comfort with his. Check it out. Here's a question, or just a statement. Here's a statement. The thing you feel you can't live without is most likely a good indicator of the very thing that is getting your attention away from finding true comfort in Jesus. Say that one more time. The thing you feel you can't live without is most likely a good indicator of the very thing that is getting your attention away from finding true comfort in Christ. We talked about, obviously, the general topics of food, friends, fun, right? That, y'all, that have too much grip on us. But, y'all, the range of examples within those topics are extensive. Here's a few more. Finding comfort in your job, your relationships, your health, your future plans, your savings account, your accomplishments, degrees, sex, cars, etc. But Everlast, it is vitally important that you know something. All of these things we run to aren't the main issue. When you run to your Instagram account for the 200th time in a day, you have to know that Instagram isn't the issue. It is an issue, but it isn't the main issue. When you, run, when you check your bank app or whatever to make sure that money's still there, you have to, and you do that like multiple times or whatever. 
you have to know that money isn't the issue. It is an issue, but it isn't the main issue. When you run back in your mind, listen to this. When you run back in your mind or in your actions to an ex-relationship, knowing that this dude didn't communicate to you, this dude was all about him, and this dude wasn't good for you, you have to know that running back to him isn't the issue. It is an issue, but it isn't the main issue. The main issue is the core of your heart. It is your heart that has been lied to and overtaken by comfort. Comfort has, y'all listen to this, man. Comfort has little, comfort has little urgency in the mission of Jesus. As well as little aptitude for growth. Denying yourself, taking up your cross, finding true satisfaction in Christ. However, y'all, that leads to a transformed life. It leads us to rely on God and not ourselves, to, to, to rely on his grace rather than ease, uh, to serve rather than be served, uh, to, to live lives marked by sacrifice, to, to live lives with true joy and zeal as opposed to laziness and softness. It leads us to, to, to do hard things and to embrace hard truths. Walking by faith everlasting, not by comfort, may be uncomfortable, sure. But it will be worth it. Why? Because on the other side of, of discomfort is actually delight in Christ. On the other side of discomfort is delight in Christ. Matthew 16, 25 says, But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Y'all remember, comfort seems safe, but y'all, it will sabotage your faith. And with that, I just want to leave you with a very important question tonight. What comforts have you allowed to occupy the space in your heart that belongs to God? What comforts have you allowed to occupy the space in your heart that belongs to God? May we look to Jesus Everlast and only Jesus to satisfy our souls. Amen. Let's pray.